Hi, I'm Jalen Rose. On today's show, we're talking to the hottest comedian in the game right now, Lil Real Howery. We're going to talk to him about his time hosting the Oscars pre-show and walking in the footsteps of Chicago legends. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Tell a friend to tell a friend. I write a column each Thursday in the New York Post. Check it out. Download the podcast. Subscribe right now. Listen to the first episode with Big Sean. Listen to any episode, Katie Couric. We have done almost 30 episodes. Check us out on YouTube. Leave a five-star rating. Download, subscribe to the podcast. There is no reason why you shouldn't be getting this healing, this knowledge, this wisdom, this love. These past few weeks, to be honest, have been stressful. Flying back and forth adjusting my mask, getting my two vaccine shots, being the founder of the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy. We're headed into the NBA playoffs. It's about to be crunch time. So whenever I get home and settle down to watch TV or a movie, I find myself gravitating towards what's going to actually make me laugh. As I think back to my childhood, Some of my favorite comedians were people like Richard Pryor. How about stand-ups from Eddie Murphy? Television shows like Living Color, Martin, because laughter is really the best medicine. It's why it feels so good to be around your funniest aunt or listening to a baby laugh for the first time. It's healing. And so much of what's funny usually comes from painful or uncomfortable moments. The ability to laugh and find the joy in any situation is like rehab. It makes us stronger as people. Try this. Write down the three lowest points of this week. You don't have to share them with anybody else. Just write them down for yourself. Write down the three lowest points of this week. It could be personal, professional, in your relationship, anything. Write down the three lowest points of this week. Also, Write down the three highest points this week. Did you get a promotion? Did you get a job? Did your son or daughter get a good report card? Anything. And last but certainly not least, the three funniest things that happened to you this week. I guarantee you, two weeks from now, you'll remember your hilarious moments way more than your lowest points. It's just kind of how it works. And it will serve as proof that you were able to experience pain, laughter, and still be able to move forward. My guest this week is none other than actor and comedian, Lil Rel Howery. You know him from the classic, the cultural classic movie Get Out and his latest Netflix film. You know him from the classic, classic, classic movie Get Out and his latest Netflix film, Bad Trip. We're going to talk about his memorable run hosting the Oscars pre-show. It was hilarious, for real. Getting style inspiration from hustlers 
and preachers and his rise out of Chi-Town to be one of Hollywood's most in-demand comedians, Lil Rel Howery. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. As you know, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. This episode is special to me. That's why I named it Laughter is the Best Medicine. It's going to feature my next guest, who represents from the Windy City, started out as a stand-up comedian in Chi-Town. The show in the movie, Get Out. And now you can see him on Not A Sports Show. Please welcome Lil Real Howery what up, to the man? show. <laughs> what up? Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you taking the time. Now, I, I'm that, you know, I'm a big fan, bro. So, you know, Jalen Rose, the six six lefty, you know what I mean? Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Midwest stand up. <laughs> That's love. So from performing in bars and comedy clubs in Chicago, mm-hmm. and congratulations to hosting the 2021 Oscars pre-show. I see you blinging. <laughs> I'm a long way. Like, what is that moment like? Because the Oscars had a lot of color this year. How was it like? For you to not only get a chance to see them get celebrated for their work and you get a chance to contribute in the way you contributed, but what was it like to break bread with them afterwards? Afterwards, yo, we we kicked it. I ain't gonna eat a lot. Cause I once again, nobody really done anything, you know. So everybody was, you know, tested and you know, excited to be around each other. So it was it was a night. It was like a clap, especially with this Judas and the Black Messiah crew. You know, we had Fred Hampton Jr., which was Fred Hampton's son. He was at the party. Mama Koo was at the party, you know, his, his wife. So, like, it was correct. That night ended with Fred Hampton Jr. giving this powerful speech. Fred, he just he just challenged all of us, you know what I'm saying, to keep to keep going, to keep pushing, to keep making change. And Fred Hampton it was a huge impact on me and my family. I learned a lot about Fred Hampton growing up. I did, too. I was born in 73. And... First off, if you haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah, what is wrong with you? Second, it's your chance to go still do it. He basically was telling poor whites that you guys aren't different than us based on how you're treated by society. It's just that we're black. Yeah. Well, that's what the, that's the fear of Fred Hampton was very articulate and really good at just conveying any message to anybody. Mm-hmm. You got to think about it. It's like it was Chicago is very segregated. Mm-hmm. But him had the gangs along with the, the you know, the, the, the racist groups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was crazy. And that's that was such a that scared them. I mean, like when you watch the movie and you see the meetings the FBI was at, which you also learn about, like, you know, we love to play everything on J. Edgar Hoover, but it wasn't he he got the okay. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't running rogue. <laughs> you know, that's what they try, they, they try to pin it on him now. But I'm like, that brother, he, that man didn't do anything without approval. Mm-hmm. 
So we really have to look at the whole political climate of our country, man. And that's the one thing I think at some point America has to admit what, how everything was actually set up, what the real foundation is. And once mm-hmm. that happened, we'll have better policing, everything. But that, until they admit that, fam, man, it's going to still be the same. For how you grew up, to be on a stage like that, to be in a room full of people so very powerful, so very instrumental, what does that do for you going forward? Because that has to make you feel like a new human being in a lot of ways. So I'll tell you my interesting take on this. Because I was just literally talking to my, my pastor about it, like literally like an hour ago. Because, you know, afterwards, everybody's like, well, it's such a big moment, man. Yo, you got you to gotta capitalize on this moment. Because I'm like, well, not if I think these moments going to keep happening. If you give me opportunity, this is the type of stuff I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. Like, I'm not like, I'm so thinking about everything forward for me. I'm mm-hmm. like, this ain't even it yet. This ain't even yet, it yet. So it's going to be a lot more coming. So I'm not necessarily like, oh, this is going to be like, no. Nah. I'm still like, no, nah, there's still more to come. So like, I'm just like, no, nah, this is what it is. You give me this shot. This is what I'm going to do. And you're making the moves. And what was funny, you seem really caught off guard by the Glenn Close moment. Yeah. Tell us what was going through your mind. I was happily, because they wasn't sure... Like, she knew I was going to call on her, right? She knew that part. And everybody, well, is everything scripted? I'm like, no, Glenn, you know, Daniel and them gave her some information. It was like a team effort with everything. Now, I was like, yo, I'm going to try to get her to dance. They're like, real? You should. I'm like, yo, I'm going to see what happens. If she does it, she don't. If she doesn't, I'm going to call somebody else to do the butt. Like, that's what I'm going to do. If Glenn didn't dance, I was going to see if everybody else would get up and do the butt with me. So... But with her doing that, that was enough. I'm like, I, I didn't even know how to close the commercial. I didn't know what to say no more. I was like, all right, she did it. <laughs> that was hilarious. And you guys stole the show. So for you, what's more challenging, stand-up comedy or acting? Um, I put all that in the same category. What can be tough is having your own show, right? I had my own sitcom on Fox. And that was a lot of work, right? Because I was the EP of it. I wrote on it. I starred in it. And I, you know, it was it was a lot more stressful than I thought it would be. Because you also trying to like please, black, you know, us. Like I don't know, make sure black people, you know. So it's just it's a lot. And I learned a lot from there. I learned how to lead properly. I learned how to like let people do their jobs, and I can't control everything. You know what I'm saying? You gotta you gotta let people do what you hired them to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and but that was a lot. But it was a big lesson, but to this point now, I can't even do anything if I don't have any say in it. You know what I'm saying? Which right. is what I love about not like not a sports show is they let me put my stamp on it. It was a great team effort. And to me, it's, and I'm a sports person. Like I, Amara Rashad is one of my, like I used to watch inside stuff like some lunatic. Uh-huh. So I was like, hey. that's what I'm saying, bro. Like that, that I was always like, you know, if I ever get a, I want a sports show so I can interview athletes like he did. Cause Ahmad always make it feel like we we knew y'all. If you talk to you, it was like what it is. Like, oh man, he, he like, man, this is my main man. You know, he called everybody their main man. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, growing up seeing all that, like it's all that's and that's all tied into me. I love entertainment so much. It's so many different moments from sports, from comedy, from movies, from TV. Uh that like, which is why like being at the Oscars, to be honest with you, that's what was interesting for me as a the little kid, me was like, yo. 
this is crazy, bro. Like you a part of this? Like I was like Harrison Ford was like right next to me, like having a glass of wine or something. And I was like, dang, this is. <laughs> so when you in those situations like me like i, I gotta make sure like all right i want to have a couple of drinks but i want to make sure i don't get wasted <laughs> how was you on that scale no nah, well I, it, it depends on the event right <laughs> get the event. later it get the more wasted you could get yeah, it depends on who there right you were alongside from daniel kalua in the most memorable character in Get Out. How did that opportunity come about? And how did you feel about being a part of such a classic film? Classic. Um, well, I can tell you the whole process, right? Me and Jordan Peele was at the Steven Spielberg, uh, the night before party he used, he used to throw. And he's like, yo, real, you know, I wrote a horror film. I was like, Oh, it's good for you, brother. You know, because you do comedy. Like, oh, like, ah. Oh. I was like, okay, whatever. You talk about Ian Field, the sketches. You wrote a horror film, bro. And <laughs> he started describing it. And I was like, oh, you wrote a horror film. This sounds very detailed. I'm like, you a horror film fan? That's when he told me, like, he was really into horror. He always had been a kid and this and that. And he's like, yo, I'll probably have you come read for it. I'm like, cool. You know, I didn't think nothing of it until I saw the script. Now, this thing about it, I was reading it and it sounded like me. It ain't too many things you get where you're like, this right. sound like In me. Your voice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this. Am I crazy? Because it sound like me. And, you know, I was like, you know, hmm, I don't forget. I got the audition, went to, went to, did the first audition. Jordan had me come back and do the callback. I did my callback with him. We read the scene that there was the original ending where Daniel get locked up by the police and I'm at the uh, po uh, police station trying to get whatever answers I could get out of him. And uh, <laughs> man, that was an emotional scene to do. You know, the original one was crazy. So we did the scene. I'm like outside waiting on my Uber, just mm -hmm. trying to calm down. Cause you know, that was, it's really deep. I mean, it's a deep scene where you like, yeah, you're really? locked up. You're trying to help him. He's basically telling you, you know how it is. Be black. Don't worry about it. I'm here, I'm in jail. Like, you know what I mean? Even though I ain't do anything wrong, I'm still in the situation, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm out there, Jordan comes out there. He said, look, I ain't supposed to tell you this, but I'm about to offer you the role. Now understand this, I didn't know what this was gonna do. I didn't know what it was gonna do. He tells me that, he goes back inside. I just start walking. I'm like walking and I'm crying. Like, and I didn't know why to this day, I'm like, why? I didn't, Cause it wasn't a big budget. It wasn't like a big deal. You know what I mean? But I, it was a feeling about just something special about this movie. Wow. I, Cause I thought it could either go either way. Either people were going to love it or really hate us. <laughs> 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 like, well, you these white people drive off? Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> uh, so, it, you know, it's, but it ended up being like one of the greatest moments of like my, like uh, my Hollywood moment was just literally, I don't remember where I was at walking down the street from Jordan's office mm. and crying and just praising God just for whatever opportunity this was about to be. And, you know, it's, um, every time I think about it, I get chills. And I didn't know, mm. you know, it, it's weird when you, it's like Get Out has so many moments like that for me. It was mm. that all the way until, you know, we get, we get to the premiere and, you know, nobody really know who I am at first at the carpet. And then after the movie is over with, I get in the lobby and I get like 
But wow. I'm, yeah, and the security had to take me to my car. And I was just like, yo, what the heck is gonna happen? Like, <laughs> like is this, a, this about to be a thing? And it's, it's just one of those great moments, man. And like, just in my career that I never, I, I remember the trailer came on, me and Tiffany went to see, um, yeah, what movie we went to see, me and Tiffany Haddish, and the trailer came on. I didn't know the trailer was in front of the movie. Mm-hmm. She stood up like, that's him right here. <laughs> you didn't get out, go see it. <laughs> well, I gotta remind you, you're rich now, you're a celebrity now. So when you say <laughs> Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, for, for, for us common folks, you know what I'm saying? Like, you see who you running with now? That's, but me and her was like, I was sleeping on her couch. That's best. so dope. Both of y'all came up. You both, both of y'all overcame a lot and paid y'all dues. So what was it like for you for the first time seeing it in theaters with people who had never seen the movie? You know what's crazy? Get Out is one of the great theater experiences you can you can have. Like where I went to a lot of the screens because I wanted to, I like watching the audience go on this ride, especially once they get to the end and they don't know who's pulling up. They see those lights, you just hear people go, "Oh no, oh no, come on, man!" And then when I get out, everybody. That's why people were losing it because they were so, like, you know, what I mean? and they feel it's like, "Oh, he about to get locked up." Here we go again with this. And it's me getting out the car and people lose it. But then I love even more, we get in the car and it's this serious thing, he's quiet. And I'm just like, you know, I told you not to go in the house. Like, you know, it's just all that, you know, combined with just, that's so crazy, that's surreal to me too, Jalen. Like, I'm such a, like I said, I'm a movie and TV nerd. I'm like, yo, I'm a part of like a classic. Classic. You could do a lot of movies and none of them could be not classic, right? Correct. This I, I'm a part of something they study in film school, you know. All time classic. How was I got to ask you this? What did you say the first time you heard these two words put together? Sunk in place. Mm. Well, you know something. It's funny you say that. When you see that in the script, or even when you when I watched it for the first time on my own. It's it's kind of eerie. It scares you because you're like, have I been there before? Have I sunken place? Because it wasn't even just about the sunken place. It was about you know, and it's so funny. Like when I do general meetings now, I don't give out personal information, right? People be like, "Hey, how you grow up?" Like, no, I want to create stuff. What y'all want to talk creatively about? Correct. Because you know, it's some about people having too much information on you. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of that, right? And that's what happened in the movie, it like freaked me out because I'm like, how many times have I been in this situation and not aware of it, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's so interesting when we watch, now, because now it's a thing to say, right? If you Correct, see, it's a verb. Damn, you see you see Ben Carson, like, yeah, that better, that better. <laughs> so the theme for this episode is laughter is the best medicine. Hmm. In what ways has comedy healed you throughout your life and what comedians would you consider your biggest healers? Mm. Well, that's, that's a great question. Uh, stand-up, that's the great thing about stand-up comedy. It is therapeutic. Like I remember my mom passed and you know, I'm, I'm the oldest. So I had to like do the adult stuff and go to the funeral home and do all that. And it's a sad, hard thing to do, but comedy always shows up. And the saddest thing 
And I was like, I'm looking at caskets. I've never seen them before. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those funeral directors are dark. You know what I'm saying? They're very monotone. <laughs> and I was with one of my aunties, and she was just joking. She's like, ooh, I'm going to get this casket. And the lady was like, oh, no, we have to order yours. Mm. You need yours. Cut. Like, why is she being so mean? So I'm like, my auntie like snapped, like, who are you talking to, lady, right? So I'm like dying laughing. Now, because I wouldn't be as sad to like, yo, did she just tell my auntie that she couldn't put in none of these cats? Right. Wow. <laughs> like, like, wow. Get yours custom made. And she just walked away. I was like, <laughs> wow. And, uh, and, that's what I'm saying. It, it shows up in these moments. And then I'll go on stage and talk about all of that. Like, I've had like tragic moments where comedy came to say, I mean, not to keep telling my death, but like, you when I lost my brother. You know, I remember we was just all in tears. We had, you know, took him off, you know, uh, life support or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just a hard moment. And then my auntie and my cousin started arguing, as they always do, because they both was crying. They, yep. We went from, me and my brother went from, like, crying hurt mm-hmm. to, like, almost laughing with our brother that passed away. Where we all would have been like, yo, they doing this again, fam. Like, <laughs> what are they right. doing? Absolutely. Got the you know, we ain't doing too much. She's like grabbing the curtain, she's grabbing the body, like, hey, no, no, touch it. Like, let's <laughs> <laughs> just do it too much. And they started arguing, and it was hilarious. How about this? And this is another lob you just threw me. It's almost like we're a tag team. I cannot make this up. We're filming this on the 28th of April. I lost my mother February 2nd of this year. And I heard you say you lost your brother. I lost my brother, my oldest brother, 13 months ago. And I'm the youngest of four and been juggling and doing everything you just described. And so I know what you mean when you say that. And I appreciate somebody at your age that can understand how I feel about losing my mom. That's the shirt I'm wearing right now. That's a picture of me and my mom on draft day. This is the day to change my family's life. And this picture means so very much to me. And so what, what is it like for you to now have that role, accept that role, and tell young people that look like us that's going to have to deal with turbulence, going to have to deal with pain, going to have to deal with family chaos. Like, how can you stay disciplined, focused, and still navigate everything? That's, a, that's such a great question. Like, so I would say this, right? It's not to promote nothing, but my, my HBO special Live in Crenshaw that came out a couple of years ago, I talk about that, right? I talk about the transition where I become the phone call. There's a whole bit I do about my family having a meeting about calling me. But you know what's interesting? I have embraced that. That is a part of being a leader of not just where we are, my family now, but like generational wealth, right? Right. I'm okay with the role. Like I've actually accepted it. Like, you know, super get mad. Like, see, I'm what everybody asks me for stuff and this and that. Mm-hmm. That's if that's what it is, that's just what it is. Ooh, we become the, it's just interesting. It's, it's really weird watching people, you took care of you, raised you, did everything. Correct. And at some point the roles kind of reverse. You Absolutely. Know? Reinvesting in your family. That's why it's 
So very important to do what you just said, accept the responsibility, don't run away from it, and have an opportunity to teach your cousins, your nieces, your nephews, your brothers, your sisters, your kids. You can put them up on some game. Like I come from an era where talking about life insurance policies and wills and stuff like that, that was taboo. Like that didn't come up. Mm -hmm. But what you're now accomplishing you can't afford to have that happen. That that would just be irresponsible. That would go against everything that you're trying to build. So I admire that you accepting that and you step up because it's tough. Well, you know, Jalen, too, you know, also you do, you should accept like, because people could be selfish, right? I get it. Sometimes a lot of us are first generation of whatever we have, right? If it's a, if you're a million, whatever you are, you're most of us, especially black, are first generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we selfishly be like, I'm the one that got this, so I need to like. That's why people spend so much and do all this crazy stuff. But I'm like, for me, my dreams are coming true, right? I've literally done some things that I did everything little kid me really was rooting for me to do. Mm-hmm. Now my goal is now is to make sure everybody else's dreams come true. Not only in my family, but to other creators I, I respect and love and just mm-hmm. create opportunities for people. That's a whole nother half of me. So because it's not even selfishly about all what I do. That's why, like, when I think about the Oscars again, yeah, that was great. But like, it's more exactly. you know, about giving me an opportunity. OK, maybe I should look more into more of these these comedians, black comedians. Give us an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Some dope exactly. You know what I'm saying? You go you go to the same people. Maybe we need to change mm-hmm. that. You know, so I'm hoping like with, when I do stuff, it opens up doors for other people. Well, it definitely is. You take in field position for sure. I want to talk about your style. You were once quoted saying your look is like a cross between a pastor and a hustler. Both <laughs> wear gators. Explain where the love from suits comes from. Well, that's funny. So like my the way I wear my suits, especially more currently, and I'm, I think I'm sticking with it now, like the whole 70s style. It's really from my dad, you know what I'm saying? He was a, he's a clean oh. brother, you know what I'm saying? He, like, this is a dude that will iron, he still put creases in his pants. Midwest, dog, come on now. <laughs> we wear outfits. <laughs> he still <laughs> use starch. Like, Head to toe, the car, <laughs> the interior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that is my inspiration now. I also got like, you know, Dwayne Wayne, this is like my Dwayne Wayne look today, right? A jersey. You know, mm-hmm. like money making Mitch from paid in full, right? <laughs> money making Mitch. <laughs> so you're like, all right, let me jump in. I'm going to do the drop top bins today. That's what we do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just roll down the street looking like money making Mitch. Getting love from people you don't even know. I be like pointing at people that don't even know me. Like, <laughs> what up? What up, yo? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man, you hilarious. Before you get out of here, I want to promote your new show. You're the host of a new show. Congratulations. It is called Not A Sports Show, where you interview current and former athletes. And don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to join you. Can you tell us more about it? I mean, look, it's just a really fun sports show where we dive into the lives of these athletes and just talk real talk. It could be about uh, the way they grew up. It could be about parenthood. It could be about, like, goals and other things they want to do outside of sport and you know i never have and once again i'm a huge sports fan so it was i had some really cool conversations with people 
And uh, I honestly think that's probably one of the reasons they asked me to do the pre-interviews at the Oscars is watching this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was just a, I was able to get and have a really natural conversation. Now, along with that is me doing characters on that, which is insane to do. And like doing something fun with each athlete that they usually don't do, which has been fun also. But the characters in there is some of my best character work. Where like, I'm re-watching this and forgetting that I said, because some of the stuff I freaked out with some of the characters. I just like went right. and just, because that's one thing, like you know, from the Eddie Murphy school, mm-hmm. like, look a certain way. You got the the got the nose and the mustache. You just turn it to whatever that is. <laughs> so it's 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 a really fun fun show, and I'm so proud to be. I'm glad they like offered it to me, and I'm glad they was open to being creatively uh, uh, open to my create create creative suggestions with the show. So. It'll be something special, I think. I think it's a really, and then oh, we do a season two, Jalen. Yeah, you got to do the show, bro. Done, done, and done. One call away. You out here crushing it, my brother. Congratulations. You know what I mean? And before I let you get out of here, though, I'd like to do a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. These are quick answers. Rapid fire. You ready for this? this Let's do first it. One, this first one is for the culture. Harold's Chicken in Chicago or Roscoe's Chicken in LA? Harold's Chicken. Harold's. No, and the, you know what's the difference? Is the mild sauce. That's just what it is. Roscoe should invest into some Harold's mild sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Harold's sauce is classic. Oh my goodness. You're going to a party and you're driving. Glenn Close is in the back seat. Who are your two other passengers? <laughs> Glenn Close? Oh, okay. Yeah. Doing uh, but uh Dana King and yeah, because she's hilarious. She's a real yeah. <laughs> Dana King and who? Andrew Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, she did, you know, she played Billy Holiday in uh, you know, the United States versus Billy Holiday. She she is hilarious. Who's the more iconic Shotown rapper? Common or Chief Keith? Common. Man. And it's, it's different generations too of it, because I love Chief Keith too. But Common man, he's he's it's so weird because you know him and Tiffany Haddish. I gotta say a whole night, you know that you know they together. Yeah. And at the dinner, and it was just, I was like rapping his songs. I'm like, bro, I've been way too busy. <laughs> you work with Jordan Peele. Who's the next director you want to work with? Mm, that's a great question. Regina King. She is out here crushing it too. That's a good call. Top three up and coming comedians we should look out for. Oh, great question. Uh, so female comic from Chicago named Just Niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, my homeboy also from Chicago. His name is T Murph. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I'm gonna give her a shout out too. And, it's, and I, I could do a list of people, but uh, Marilyn Monroe also from Chicago, another female comedian. She's so funny. Her and Just Niche has a show they just did together that I'm gonna put on, on, on my streaming service that I um, I curate the comedy on. But yeah, it's it's those are my three. T. Murph, Marilyn Monroe, and Just Niche. And as you guys see, he's Chi-Town to the fullest, loyal <laughs> to his soil, Lil Rail. I appreciate you. The last question before I let you get out of here. What's the proudest moment of your career so far? Well, here we go. I don't know if it's about me. It's a legacy thing. So when I did the, sh- the movie Uncle Drew, I had them cast my son to play Little Me. Right. 
And they didn't tell me he was in the trailer. Okay, so I'm at CinemaCon. It's a big deal. I'm about to get this award. They play the trailer on this huge TV. And guess who pops up in the beginning of this Judah? And I burst into tears. I like had to walk away. I'm like, because oh, I didn't know that was happening. And to see him, it was just, it was just one of the greatest moments as a parent. Cause I remember like he was he was born premature. And I remember, you know, it was some complications. And they were saying he may not come out crying. That's so what I had that moment of I almost didn't have my little man. Now look at him. He's on a big screen. And that's one of the greatest moments of my life. I, I was just like overwhelmed with emotion. Cause I and I didn't know I was gonna feel like that, to be honest with you. But it just was like I couldn't believe it. I was like, yo, I forgot I was in the mood. I didn't even care about the, my stuff. And film in the beginning, and it was just—it was the most surreal moment I've ever—I've ever experienced. Well, you deserve it, my brother. And I know this is just the beginning. I know everybody got a chance to see you at the pre-show, and y'all went viral, and you' about to be getting more checks, and <laughs> everything is gonna be everything. But it's just getting started, y'all. It's yeah. just getting started. And if y'all didn't know, now y'all know. I appreciate you joining the show, my brother. Hopefully we can catch up soon. Oh man, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. No doubt. Last call, last call. I'd like to thank the homie, Lil Rel, for joining us again. It was a terrific interview. I loved how during our conversation, he didn't know how big Get Out was going to be, but he felt like something special was going to happen. That's paying attention to your intuition. Actually, things like that happen to yours truly all of the time. And that's what led to this show, The Renaissance Man. See, growing up, when I was playing basketball on a milk crate nailed to a telephone pole, I said I wanted to be in the NBA. I never said I wanted to work in the media. And then I started to see powerful voices in multimedia that also were fashionable. I saw these guys doing interviews. I'm like, hmm. Then Amar Rashad inside the NBA. He played in the NFL and hosted a show, the main show, for the NBA. And right then I said, that's what I want to do. I was playing a lot more ball, but you know what I was doing? Commentating on the side. So planting those seeds put me in position to now do this show. So you have to pay attention to that special little voice in your head. Even when things don't turn out the way you want it, you'll never regret following your heart. You'll always regret going against that voice inside of you to go with what others think you should do instead. When things don't go the way you want because you put your trust in someone else rather than yourself, that is the biggest heartbreak. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.